And today is a, an exciting day for not just Bethany, but for all, all of the churches uh, in the world. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. And maybe, uh, like me, you didn't really celebrate or acknowledge Lent growing up. Uh, it, it's often seen as kind of a more of a liturgical or high church thing that churches do. Uh, but really, at Bethany, we like to honor and celebrate Lent. Uh, it comes from this word, springtime, uh, and really gives this idea of freshness and newness and anticipation. And, and as followers of Jesus, uh, we know that Lent leads to, and we are in, in, in anticipation of, Christ's death and resurrection, Good Friday and Easter. And so we don't take that lightly as a church. And whether you've been around the church for a long time or you're, or you're brand new to the church, I would invite you to consider what it means to ponder and to contemplate what the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus means to, to, to you, to me. And within those 40 days of Lent, how can we best prepare and equip our hearts in our minds for that life-changing event. And so, uh, for all of Lent, again, we will be going through the book of Mark. Uh, and I invite you to also read along. Uh, we have a Bible reading plan. We have a card, if you want a physical card, out where? At the Connect table. Uh, or uh, you can find a digital copy so you have it on your phone where every day you can see what the rest of the church is reading and read it along together uh, for Mark. But as exciting and celebratory as Lent is, we still want to remember what's happening in the rest of the world. And last week we had the privilege of praying for what's happening in Ukraine and, and, and Russia. And, and my hope is that our prayers don't cease at church, but we continue to pray throughout the week. And though it seems distant because it's so far away, really those, those people that we deem as like so distant, they're our brothers and our sisters. And we, as people of prayer, must believe that prayer works, that prayer initiates God's movement, that prayer is answered and heard, and God is not silent to it. And so, though it sounds almost contrite, it's almost like a pageant when someone says, I, I want world peace, and it's almost this universal response to what a good human should do. But as followers of Jesus, I really hope and pray that we really do want peace in what's happening, not just in Ukraine, but all over the world. There's things that are happening that, that aren't quite making the news in Saudi Arabia and Yemen and, and other parts of the Middle East and, and Africa. And, and yes, that doesn't mean we, we diminish what's happening in Ukraine. We, we encompass all of that and believe that there's enough grace and mercy and prayers for everybody to, to receive and experience the justice of God. Even in our own hometown, even in Seattle, walking down the streets and we see the level of homelessness and poverty, we see this violence and, and racial injustice, human trafficking, and the list can go on, and my hope isn't that we just make this list and we just go down, but my hope is that we truly believe that prayer works, and that prayer does something, again, even out in the world and even in our own lives. And some of you have come in with 
with your own stuff. And my hope is that we will be people of prayer, believing that the Spirit is moving, believing that Sunday isn't just a thing that you do to check off your list, but you truly believe when we corporately worship and pray and be together, when you leave and being sent off, you leave as a different person because God has moved in your hearts and your lives. And I hope we believe, I hope I believe that because sometimes I don't. Sometimes I watch the news. Sometimes I'm on social media. And sometimes it's hard to believe that God has the last words on all the things that are happening in the world. But we must believe that. That is the story of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. That is the story of Lent. Okay, sorry about that sidetrack. Let's get, to, let's get back to our sermon. Today's reading comes from Mark chapter 1, verse 9. Through 13, and the word of the Lord says this At the time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven that said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and angels attended them. Let's pray. God, thank you that in these short verses of our Lord and Savior Jesus being baptized, that tells us everything we need to know about who you are and who we are. So God, confirm and affirm us in our identity in you today. That though there's voices and there's lies and there's there's deceit in our world, in our society, help us to believe that we, like you, are sons and daughters who you love, who who you are well pleased with. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. A few days ago, I, I was um, coaching a, a CrossFit class, um, and, and one of the members came up to me and asked me about my birthday. He, he found out it was my birthday. I don't know how. Uh, actually, I told him. Uh, it was my birthday, and, and, and I told him. He, he asked me. He's like, what birthday is it? And I told him, okay, it's, uh, I'm four decades old now as of yesterday, uh, and yeah, thank you. It's a, yeah, okay. I mean, it's, it's a big birthday. And he asked me a question that I thought was so intriguing. Uh, and yet it only took me a moment to figure out what my answer was. And his question was this. He said, okay, after 40 years of life, Prentice, as you look back, uh, what have you learned about yourself? And I know that's a loaded question, and, and maybe for some that would take a long time. And I, and I thought immediately, I have, I have an answer to that. And I said, uh, after 40 years of life, if I can think back on anything, uh, I would say this, that for the first time, or, or maybe in a long time, or more than ever now, I, I feel more comfortable in my own skin than I ever have before. And, and that's not to say that I've made it, that's not to say that I'm so perfect, but that's only to say that maybe after 40 years of life, I think back, I, 
and I just don't care about the things that used to keep me up at night. Now, now don't get me wrong, I still have a heart, don't work, don't get me wrong, I still have feelings, but, but I take myself all the way back to my middle school, my high school self, and, and even just saying that, some of you all are triggered, like you cringe because we think about our high school and middle school and even college days, and we think about, maybe I'm just projecting here about the things that would keep us up at night, uh, about the things that made us feel uncomfortable in our own skin. And I remember just always just wrestling with my identity. And I didn't know this at the time, but when we wrestle with our identity, what we're really asking ourselves is uh, the question, who am I? Who am I? And I went through several different evolutions in my adolescence, and maybe you have too. I remember in middle school, there was a time in a year or so where I was known or I identified in my identity as being a breakdancer. Anybody here used to breakdance? Right? I, I, I mean, I did everything from the music, from, from the jeans, and maybe some of you are also in your 40s. There was these brand of jeans called Jinkos, and these were huge, okay? I'm talking like this big on just one leg, and the baggier and the bigger, the better. And I would wear those big shirts and big jackets and beanies, and, which is funny because I feel like all that is coming back now. But I was, you know, going through this season where I was known and seen and identified as a break dancer. And then I took this weird 180. I started hanging out with other friends. And then I completely shifted into this, like, uh, alternative, like, <laughs> punk rock guy. And this one really, the break dancer I can kind of still identify with. But the, this guy, I, I don't know who that was. I don't know where he came from. But here I was. And, you know, a lot smaller pants. I, I had these, I, I had, <laughs> I, I, I had the, this wallet with this chain that came up. And I don't know what it was for, but it was just like, that's just what we did. And, and I kid you not, my sister still makes fun of me for this. I dyed my hair green. Uh, and, and I would listen to bands, and hey, these are pretty good bands, like Green Day and Nirvana and, you know, and, and Linkin Park and, and Weezer and all these things. And so that was a complete shift. And I remember then, as I got into high school, I didn't like that person. I didn't really want to be this person anymore. And so I got into sports, and I started hanging out with my fellow teammates. And, and I don't know if this word still exists, but I think I, I identify as being a jock or someone that hung out with the athletes. And, and so I would do that. And so my point is this. I didn't really know who I was at the time. And maybe I'm still not there, but I feel like I'm just a little closer. And again, for many of us, we ask ourselves, and maybe those words or different words of, who am I? I mean, have you ever asked yourself that? And I I bet most of us, one way or the other, we've asked ourselves the question, who am I? And typically, the answer to this question is associated with what your occupation is, 
where you're from, what skill set you might possess, how much money you have in your bank account or assets or material possessions you have. Your identity or the question of who am I might be answered by where, where you live, your marital status, your parental status, which college you attended or not attended, your politics these days, your level of influence, the way you look. Maybe if someone asks you, who are you? The, one of these might be your chosen answers to answer the question, who am I? And, and what exacerbates this today excuse me, in an extraordinary level is that we have now access to uh, an unlimited amount of information and news and social media and technology really at the palm of our hands. Listen to these statistics from Hootsuite, uh, a social media company. Uh, This is some statistics and data that they gathered as of 2022. As of 2022, 4.62 million people across the world are on social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, or whatever. Nearly 75% of the world's population, ages 13 and up, are users of one or more of these platforms. 75%. Worldwide, people spend two hours and 27 minutes per day on social media. And they project that by the end of this year, of 22, social media ad spending will top more than $134 billion. Now, whether by ads or posts from peers or posts from news sources, there's a lot of messages going around on who we should be who we need to be, and conversely of who we're not. We're constantly reminded of who we need to be or constantly reminded of who we're not and what we need to do, what we need to buy, or what we need to change about ourselves. And sadly, what we end up doing through these avenues is we play, uh, first of all, the comparison game by seeing other people's physical appearance, often with images and videos edited or seen through filters. As I was preparing this, I was reading this article where plastic surgeons are getting patients now where they show them an Instagram filter and say, this is what I want to look like. I mean, this is the world that we live in, and we play this dangerous comparison game in it, we can also sense a feel a sense a, feel a sense of envy by people flaunting their possessions or their successes in their occupation, which is probably exaggerated at best, deceitful at worst. We sometimes feel a sense of loneliness when we see happy couples doing happy things, and again, what we don't know is behind the scenes there's probably much more to the story. Recently, there was, and this isn't the only situation, but this is a recent story that made headlines. There was this, uh, I guess, a popular Instagrammer or TikToker by the name of Gabrielle Petito, who would post pictures of her and her fiancé at the time about how happy and how in love and how great and how wonderful their life was. And if you've been following the news, there was a tragedy, and while they went camping and the fiancé took the life of Gabrielle Petito and 
It was a sad situation that made the news. And all that to say is that what we as society and a culture saw of their lives online just simply wasn't true. And yet, these are the very same things that we envy, the, very, the, the same things we play the comparison game with, the, the things that cause us to feel loneliness and anxiety. Not only that, we can feel a sense of fear and anger based on headlines that are often clickbait that we see when we start scrolling. There are so many messages of who we need to be, and the reality is when our identity is based off of these things, they be, they're essentially based off of moving targets. Sometimes you hit it and you're satisfied, you're fulfilled, you feel worthy, you feel complete in your identity because you nailed it. But because when we place our identity on all these moving objects, oftentimes we miss it. And when we miss it, that becomes painful and exhausting because we're constantly trying to hit this moving target. Even if we hit it, we have to make sure we hit it again and again and again and again. If we miss it, then we're sad and we feel bad about ourselves and we just go through this messy situation. It's a dangerous way to live. In 2020, the Pew Research, uh, they, they said this, by, by 2015, 92% of teens and young adults owned a smartphone, but as smartphone use increased, so did feelings of depression. A 2017 study of 8th to 12th graders found that high levels of depressive symptoms increased by 33% between 2010 and 2015. And it's only, and it says this, this is the way it ends, and it's only getting worse. In the, pre, the, the Pew Research, they say that is due to the access of social media, of technology, of information, continuing to spew uh, this, the, these lies of who we need to be or, or gives us these moving targets of what we should want and what we should look like or what we shouldn't want or what we shouldn't look like. And, and Mark, what I love about Mark here in chapter one is that Mark presents us a different way, a better way. You see, the gospel of Mark, the gospel means the good news, comes from this Greek word, euangelion, the good news of Jesus. And Mark writes the good news of his account of Jesus, and he says there's a better way to live. And in the verses that we read has everything, we'll unpack it, but has everything to do with our identity. Identity, what Mark is suggesting through the life of Jesus, is that our identity is not something we work for. Oftentimes we work for our identity. And uh, I have a history of this even in my own family. You know, as, as a family that uh, prides themselves as, as being high achievers, uh, and maybe some of you may uh, have known or seen stereotypes of the typical Asian household where, you know, anything other than an A is a failure, therefore I failed many times, where anything but being a lawyer, doctor, whatever is the, is the norm. That's the family I grew up in. And I, don't get me wrong, I love my family, but I know what it feels like to place my identity on the things that I achieve and can be or need to be. And Mark is saying, there's got to be a better way. And what he's saying is I, our identity is not something we work for, which many of us have done or still do, but it's something we receive. 
Identity is not what we accomplish. Identity is not something that we make up for ourselves or we try. And that's why many of us, we love social media. But identity is not something we compose or build or architect ourselves. Our identity is something we receive. Our identity is something that's given to us. Our identity is something that's already declared and proclaimed. And our responsibility is just to say yes to it. And it's being the son, the daughter of a king, the creator of this universe, God. You see, in the, in the gospel of Mark, we see that there's only about 16 chapters. It's much shorter than any other gospel, Matthew, Luke, and, and John. And it skips what we would consider as pretty important stories. Most scholars agree that it was written by John Mark, who uh, we find in Acts, <coughs> and that Mark was actually the first gospel that, uh, that was ever written, and the other gospels was written after Mark. It was written in the 60s and 70s AD uh, to a Gentile audience, so basically non-Jewish audience. And you'll notice if you read or when you read through Mark that there's no Christmas story. There's no Sermon on the Mount. There's, there, there's several parables that are not there. Mark keeps it very short and concise about the good news of Jesus. In, verse, in chapter 1, verse 4, basically the opening uh, Mark says this, and he tells a story about Jesus being baptized. It's not even about Jesus being born or his childhood or anything. It's straight to Jesus' baptism. And it says this, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, the scene that Mark writes is that it starts off with people being baptized by John, declaring their repenting of their sins, and, and, and being baptized was a symbol of purification, of being cleansed from their sins. So people came to John uh, mainly to confess their sins and to be forgiven and to repent, and then what Mark leaves out is that Jesus comes to John to be baptized by John. And there's this argument that ensues that is not in Mark, where John is like, what, Jesus, what are you talking about? You don't need to be baptized. You definitely don't need to be baptized by me. You're essentially the Messiah. I am not. Why in the world would you want to be baptized? So they go back and forth in other accounts. But in Mark, it goes straight to the actual baptism. It says this, at the time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending, him, descending on him like a dove. So we see the Spirit. We see Jesus. And a voice from heaven that says, you are my son. That's God speaking to Jesus. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. We see the triune God for the first time in Scripture. The Trinity. And then in verse 12, it says, At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. It's such a strange verse. Jesus was baptized. And God says, You are my son. I love you. With you, I am well pleased. The next verse right away 
Jesus gets sent to the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by Satan. Now, this is an interesting scene because in the opening verses, like I said, John was preaching that people needed to confess their sins, that they needed to be baptized, uh, that they needed to be cleansed. And then suddenly Jesus came to be baptized. Do you, do you see that there's, there's a miss or there's a, there's a confusion? Why in the world would Jesus need to be baptized? If people were coming to John because there were sinners, self-declared, self-identified sinners who needed to repent and needed to be cleansed, why in the world would Jesus come and say, hey, guess what? I also need to be baptized. You can understand in other accounts why John would be confused. Jesus, this... Baptism is for sinners that need to be cleansed. It's not for you. You are the Messiah. I believe in you. You are God. You do not need to be baptized. And Jesus finally says, I need to be baptized. And so what most scholars believe, and what I would believe, is that Jesus was retelling the story of the Exodus. And let me just say more about that. Uh, a famous New Testament scholar named N.T. Wright, someone who I love and adore and we just try to read everything he writes, he calls this the new Israel. He, say, he, he calls Jesus the new Israel. And here's what N.T. Wright means by that. Israel, if you think back in the Old Testament in, in Exodus, Israel escapes slavery under Pharaoh. Remember, uh, let my people go, Prince of Egypt. If you've seen that, if you've read Exodus, you know the, you know the story. That the Israelites were enslaved by, the, by Pharaoh, by the Egyptians in Egypt. And God says, you know what? I am going to free you from Pharaoh's enslavement. And I'm going to bring you to Canaan, land filled with milk and honey. And what is really important that we don't always talk about is when the Israelites were being freed and God was guiding them to the, to the land of milk and honey of Canaan, there was a body of water that was separating them. And so what God did was God parted the Red Sea and they went through. They went through the water to the promised land. Now, what happens next, uh, we all know because we've talked about it. Once the Israelites passed through the Red Sea, as God parted it, they went into the desert to wander for 40 years. And within those 40 years, they were wandering. Uh, they were disobedient. They were unfaithful. They were doubtful. They were complaining all the time. And so what's happening in this baptism, what I believe and what many scholars believe is that Jesus is retelling the story of what Israel did. Jesus, the new Israel, goes through the water being baptized. So in the first century, baptism didn't necessarily look like what we do, where we dunk or we sprinkled. People just walk through the Jordan River, or at least here, the Jordan River. People walk through the water. That was the baptism. And so as Jesus was walking through the water, he was saying, I'm like Israel. God used Israel to get through the, red, through the sea to the promised land. And Jesus is saying, I'm the new Israel. I'm going to go through the water. And through me, I'm going to do it differently. While Israelites, they were disobedient and they did it wrong. I, Jesus is saying, I'm going to do it different." And Jesus can do it perfectly. In other, in other uh, accounts in Matthew, as Jesus goes into the wilderness, 
uh, for 40 days. I won't go through everything, but, but in Matthew, tells the story of three temptations of Jesus. The first temptation is that, Jesus, you're hungry, you've been fasting, you're in the wilderness, you should turn this stone into uh, bread. And Jesus says, no. Basically, the, the temptation was from Satan, Jesus, do something. You can achieve something. You have the power. Basically, it's the lie, I am what I can do. What Satan was trying to convince Jesus was, hey, our identity is what we can do. And Jesus was saying, no, I'm not going to fall for that. I know just yesterday, no, it was, it was Friday uh, for my birthday, Maria took me out to a restaurant. And it's a restaurant that I've been dying to go to for many years. And we finally get there. And, and I was falling into this this temptation that Satan did with, with Jesus about, hey, your identity is in all the things that you can do. Turn this rock into bread. And I was, I was thinking about that because prior, just prior to going to dinner, uh, there was this, uh, this worldwide, like, it's called a CrossFit Open. It's a CrossFit competition. And, and, I, and I got this score that I just was not happy with, okay? I, and I was just super bummed that, you know, I went into this workout with a score, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to crush this workout. I'm going to get this high score, and I did it, and, and I just simply didn't, uh, at least, you know, to my liking. And so, you know, an hour, two hours later, here we are, this restaurant that I've been dying to go to for a long time. Ray and I were sitting in the lounge. We're waiting for our, our seat, and I can't stop thinking about this workout, like, here I am, like, with my wife celebrating my 40th birthday at, a, at this bucket list restaurant. We're about to have good food and drink and all that stuff. And yet, I can't stop thinking about what happened two hours ago about this workout. And I don't know why. And perhaps I, I go back to this and I have to remind myself my worth and my fulfillment, my joy, isn't about the things that I can do. And yet, I let it do that. For some reason, I let it just get into it, and I was so upset with myself, and so I had to, you know, just, you know, even pray while I was there and, and just kind of settle down, and, and yes, I was finally just able to just enjoy everything, but for a moment, I forgot that my identity wasn't based on simply the things that I can do or really can't do. And the second temptation in Matthew, while Jesus was wandering in the desert, was this. The Satan says to Jesus, hey, go climb the top of the temple and just jump down. The, the, The angels will catch you. And what that's supposed to signify is that, guess what? If that were to happen, then Jesus would have been the most popular person in Jerusalem. Jesus would have had all the followers. Jesus would have had all the likes. Everybody would have believed that Jesus actually is the Messiah sent by God. And yet, Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do that. Really, the temptation, the lie was, uh, first, I am what I can do. The second lie was, I am what people say I am. I am what people say I am. And Jesus didn't fall for that. Jesus says, no, I'm not going to fall in that temptation. I am more than what people say I am. And the third temptation, <coughs> Satan takes Jesus and says, hey, look at the, all the land. Look at everything here. Bow down and follow me, and I'll give you all of this. 
And Jesus says, no, I'm more than what I own and what I possess. And the question for me is that, yes, the Israelites, when they went through the Red Sea and went into the desert wandering and they messed up, they were unfaithful, they didn't believe in God, and yet Jesus went through the water of baptism to show the world that it can be done differently. Jesus did it perfectly. Jesus went into the temptation, faced all the temptations that Satan had for him. The Satan says, Hey, you got to believe in your identity. You are what you can do. Jesus says, nope. Satan says, okay, fine. Your identity is based on what people say about you. Jesus says, nope. Fine. Finally, Satan says to Jesus, your identity in the wilderness is based off of what you have. And Jesus says, no. And my question, and maybe your question is this, while the Israelites messed up, and while oftentimes we mess up in what our identity is, what in the world did Jesus do so differently that he was able to go into the wilderness and say no to all the false lies and noise that Satan had for him? The very same messages we learn today, just online, on TV, on our drive here, whatever it is. And it's this, it's the order of events in which things happened. In all the accounts, baptism came first, temptations in the wilderness came second. Baptism was always first. The voice came from heaven and he said to Jesus, you are my son whom I love. In other translations, you are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And then Jesus was sent to the wilderness to experience all the temptations that Satan had for him. And he said, no, he won. He did it differently than the Israelites. He carried his identity in being the son of God, whom God loved, whom God was well pleased with, into the wilderness. One author, Henry Nouwen, says this, Jesus came to announce to us that an identity based on success, popularity, and power is a false identity. It's an illusion. Loudly and clearly, he says, you are not what the world makes you, but you are children of God. And may this be what we carry every single day of our lives. Whether you go to work, whether you go to school, whether you go to your friend's house, wherever you go, may the first thing as followers of Jesus, may the very first thing that you identify with more than anything in the world is that you are the son and daughter of God who God loves, who God is well pleased with. When we live our entire lives through that single lens, I promise you that changes the way you love, that changes the, how you make decisions, that changes how you treat people, that changes your entire mindset, that changes your life, that changes how you view yourself, that changes how you define who you are, that changes how you identify with. Every morning, may our practice be this. Every morning as I wake up, may we say to ourselves, first and foremost, before we go on our screens, before we get all these messages of who we should be, who we shouldn't be, what we have, what we don't have, what we don't have enough, may the very first thing that we tell ourselves is, I am the son, I am the daughter of God, who God loves, who God is well pleased with, period. That's it. And I promise you, that will change our lives. Dallas Willard, who was a professor at USC, he was guest teaching at a Christian college. Uh, and that whole semester, he would tell students, God loves you. 
God loves you. Every morning, God loves you. God loves you. And, and he tells a story where a student came up to him and says, uh, Professor you know, Willard, um, why do you keep saying that God loves us? It was this, I think it was like a Bible class, and they were expecting something more profound. This is Dallas Willard. If you don't know Dallas Willard, rest in peace. He passed away several years ago, but he wrote many good books around the Christian faith. He was a philosopher, and, and, these, and these students were like, why do you keep saying, God loves me? I want something more profound. And Dallas Willard's response was simply, I have to remind you of that because on your drive here, you saw 50 different billboards of lies of who you are or who you're not. And I would argue in this day and age, we hear and see more than 50 messages a day. We see hundreds, if not thousands. And so may we be reminded, as I'm going to invite, sorry, I went a little bit over, I'm going to invite the worship band back up. May you receive this identity that you are the son or the daughter of God, and God loves you, and God is well pleased with you. And if you haven't ever received this identity, if you haven't said yes to the life of Jesus, I invite you to do that today. And if you've done that, please write that on the Connect card because I personally would love to follow up with you and pray with you and talk with you. If you feel like you're in a season where you drifted off, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's, it's this pandemic and, and you just you shut everything out, maybe the beginning of Lent, maybe this is the day that you come back and say, yes, I want to embrace and live again into that identity in Christ. Listen, you are not the sum of your mistakes. You're not even the sum of your accomplishments. That's not enough. You are not the sum of your bank account. You're not the sum of your achievements. You aren't the sum of your inabilities. You're not the sum of the way you look, of your appearance. You're not the sum of what people say about you. You are in totality the son or daughter of a king. And God loves you. And God is well pleased with you. May we live like that every single day of our lives. May that be the filter of our entire life, any decision. Let's pray together. And as we pray, will you just do me a favor? Just right now, will you just say, or you can repeat after me, I am the Son or daughter of God. I am God's beloved. God is well pleased with me. God, thank you that in the midst of all these voices and lies and noise of who we are, of who we're not, of others measuring our worth based off of our achievements or our failures. God, that you've already said it. And so may we proclaim that our identity is only in you and you alone. We thank you for your life, death, and resurrection. And as we enter into Lent, this season where we anticipate your saving work on the cross, may we know that our identity is in you and you love us and that's enough 
And we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.